Hi, I'm Vinny Tortorich, the Angriest Trainer from the Angriest Trainer podcast and best-selling author of Fitness Confidential. You are listening to Advice from Olympians, Rise Above the Burn. What is it that makes world-class athletes and Olympians so good at what they do? Join us as we deep dive and learn what it takes to be the best. That's what Rising Above the Burn is all about. Here's your host, Lou Dondero. We all know what it feels like to train or compete through pain. Those knots, muscle soreness, cramps, loss of movement and flexibility. Speed up your recovery with the Star Wrap, engineered to provide hands-free deep tissue massage and reduce muscle pain and soreness. That's the Star Wrap. Do you want to take your athletic performance to the next level? Connect with Chris Gorez at trainergorez.com. Chris mentors and trains NFL, Major League Baseball, and professional soccer players. Get professional advice and step up your performance. Thank you for joining us as we have a great show for you, and I'm fired up to introduce Vinny Tortorich. Vinny, thank you so much for talking with us. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate this. Vinny is an author, podcast host, and a personal trainer for celebrities and elite athletes and is based out of Beverly Hills, California. His career began in New Orleans after he graduated from Tulane University, where he studied on a football scholarship. He became a fitness trainer while living in New Orleans and hosted a radio show on WWWL. He also worked at Newman High School in New Orleans as a physical education teacher where the Archie Manny Sons attended. Vinny's book, Fitness Confidential is a bestseller on Amazon, and his podcast called The Angriest Trainer generates over 350,000 listeners per month. On top of all this, he just launched Pure Vitamin Club. He joins us today to share some tips and advice on performance training, strength and conditioning, and how to gain a sporting advantage with a strong mental mindset. Vinny, I've given our fans just a glimpse of your knowledge and skills. Can you take a minute, tell us a little about you and an embarrassing moment you experienced while training, coaching, or even competing? Uh, first of all, uh, I want to correct you. Uh, it sounds like you went right to Wikipedia to get all of my stats. And oddly <laughs> enough, they were all correct except one. Okay. Um, and I need to go look at it because I, I don't know how, how they ever get any of the stuff right or wrong. You see, already I'm off and running. Sorry about that, Lou. That's all right. But I was not on WWL radio. I was on WSMB radio. So whoever put my stats on Wikipedia, you guys got to get the stations right. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, that was really good. Most people don't get it that well. So embarrassing sports moments. Yeah. Let's start off with a funny or embarrassing moment you experienced while training or coaching or competing. Well, I would have to say that uh, the, the, probably it happened, well, there were, you know, look, I, I played football all the way through college. So that's a lot of football from little league all the way through. And a lot of embarrassing things happen. You know, you trip and fall, especially when AstroTurf, that was during my era, you know, the early mm -hmm. 80s, everything became AstroTurf. I think they just call it artificial turf now or just turf. Right. Um, but sometimes, uh, you know, we would end up going from grass to playing on these fields. So there was all kinds of embarrassing trips and falls and this and that as you were jogging onto the field, usually not in play. But I think the most embarrassing was my first game in my first little league game. I was starting and this kid cheap shot at me after 
the whistle. So I took my helmet off and followed him back to the huddle and started beating his helmet with my helmet, not realizing <laughs> that that wasn't legal. I just thought everything was legal. You could just go out and, and kill anybody out there, right? Yeah. But apparently that wasn't legal. And I had a flagrant file file in my first game. And there were two referees carrying me off the field. And my feet were dangling below. I was like running, but my feet weren't on the ground. I was going, let me go. I'll kill him. Let me go. I'll kill him. <laughs> but I didn't realize at the time that. But when I think back on that moment, that's probably my most embarrassing <laughs> sports <laughs> moment ever, because I just didn't get the game yet. Right, right. It was, I was like, that's where it started with the angriest little league football player. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because, you know, we call me, we call me, meaning we, my, you know, my wife and I came up with the name, the angriest trainer for my, uh, my podcast. And at the time, we didn't realize that the podcast was going to become uh, like the juggernaut that it's become. And, you know, I was on a national television show. I was on Fox News um, um Last week, Carol Alt. I was on Carol Alt's show and she was going, you're not angry. Why do they call you the angriest trainer? It's like, well, I called myself that, but I'm not an angry guy. I'm angry because I'm angry not at you. I'm angry for you. I'm angry because your good intentions have been stolen. Everybody wants to be in shape. Everybody tries to do the right thing. But the fitness industry has taken that away from people. So I'm not angry at you. I'm angry with and for you. And you can tell, right, Lou, I'm not an angry guy. No, you're very passionate. Yeah, yeah. Explain a little bit more of, of your thoughts behind how the industry has taken away people's abilities to stay in shape or maybe even their mindset of what being in shape is all about. What, where does that come from? Look, as I, you know, this country is getting fatter and fatter. And as this country is getting fatter, the rest of the world is getting fatter because we kind of lead the way as to what is going to happen. You know, and nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, you know, I love being fat. I, I love being 300 pounds overweight. I love every time I bend over to tie my shoe, I almost pass out. You know, people never, ever say that. People wake up and they go, you know what, I'm going to do something to fix this. And let's say someone decides, I'm going to start running. And eventually, I'm going to run a 5k. And that person may be way overweight. And they will start off by, you know, maybe walking around the block and getting in shape. And then finally, they'll make it to that 5K and they hand them a goodie bag. And the first thing you find in a goodie bag is things like uh, Cliff Bars and Goo Chomps and all of this sugary stuff that you shouldn't be eating ever, ever, ever. Right. Yet that's what people are doing. And it, it, it's, it, it becomes this weird sort of cognitive dissonance where people think they're doing the right thing, but they're doing exactly the wrong thing. I've noticed that with along with the angriest trainer, you also have the slogan of no sugars, no grains. I've seen that pop up a couple of times where if you just cut all sugars out, your life is going to change dramatically. You're going to have more energy. You're going to drop weight, but it's the discipline. It's the hard part of dropping or, or, or eliminating sugar out of your diet because all our diets are filled with sugar everywhere you go. It's actually harder to not eat sugar. It's almost impossible. Almost every food in the grocery store now has some form of, you know, high fructose corn syrup in it, uh, even dry goods. They've figured out how to put this stuff in everything. Uh, salad dressings where you can't even taste it. Almost every item have it because it's such a cheap filler and they can put it in everything and it becomes a real problem. The only way to get away from it is to eat good, real fresh food 
And as far as grains go, if you cut out, you know, it was always my big industry secret because I work with a lot of celebrities and that's how I, I that's the, the, the method to my trade. You know, they would hire me to take weight off of some ingenue for a movie and I would just take them off of sugars and grains. And when I wrote the book, um, you know, Fitness Confidential, the book, by the way, that no one wanted. I don't know if you're going to even get to that question, but no one wanted the book in the book industry because they said, wait a minute, this is too simple. You're just telling people to cut out sugars and grains. Uh, some book companies had a problem with the fact that they also do books with companies like Kellogg's and Cisco, which are telling people eat more of our crappy sugar and grain products. Mm -hmm. So, you know, no one wanted the book. I put the book out myself. It became this somehow crazy bestseller on Amazon. The book still sells like hotcakes. It's been out for like a, a year and a half. By the way, folks, don't eat hotcakes. Uh, <laughs> but it's been out there for a year and a half. The book is still selling big. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's got it's got literally, I think, over 800 reviews now and it's still virtually a five star review. Yeah. It, it's yeah. like it's got the reviews of like Harry Potter, like a four point seven something review rating, which is crazy. That is crazy. I want to go back to and Yes, I do want to dive deeper into the book because I want to find out what inspired you to write that book. But the main question I really want to ask right now is about sugars. You eat a natural diet, fruits, fruits contain natural sugars in it. Is that okay to eat? Or do you need to eliminate that as well from your diet? Yes and no. If someone is, you know, let's say you, you're a couple of hundred pounds overweight and you're the type of person that's drinking, you know, 64 ounce Coke after 64 ounce Coke, whether it's diet or not, it's the same thing. Your liver is used to getting that kind of sugar. With people like that, I make them go you know, pretty much cold turkey on most fruit, except for, you know, things that are low glycemic fruits like um, berries, strawberries, raspberry, blueberries, blackberries, just berries. Uh, and then once they, you know, their body is under control and they become more fat adapted, then they can have, uh, you know, things like apples and oranges and whatnot. I still tell those people to stay away from tropical fruits such as uh, pineapples and bananas because that can cause a glycogen spike and kind of get you spiraling down to want to go eat a tray of brownies. You know, it's all about getting your brain not to get those messages anymore. So yeah, you can have fruit, but you might want to take it easy on fruit for a while until you get things under control. All right. Well, great advice. I want to start back because the first part of the show is all about you, Vinny, and we want to know more about you. So can you take us back to a time in your life where you were challenged or faced adversity and how you're able to rise above the burn? You know, nobody has one of those in their life. I, I've, I've had it happen so many times in my life. When I really think about this question, you know, back in the day, I used to do a lot of rock climbing. Okay. And the thing I loved about rock climbing was no matter what else is going on in your life, you can have girlfriend problems, you can have, you know, financial problems, you can have whatever's going on. But when you're up there on the rock, if you don't make your next move, none of those problems matter because you will die. You know, that's that's what rock climbing is all about. You're putting yourself right there. I'm not saying folks go out and rock climb and it's going to solve all of your problems because <laughs> it certainly didn't solve all of mine. Right. Um, but that's the way life works. And I had that same kind of thing happen to me back in 07 where I had a, a mean round of uh, cancer that I had to get rid of. I, I had leukemia. And uh -huh. that, you know, the book talks about uh, leukemia and whatnot. And, and, you know, I go into that whole story. Right in the middle of a fitness book, I tell, I tell a story about how I almost died. Uh -huh. And 
it's kind of like rock climbing where if you don't make that move, if you don't live, if you don't make it through cancer, nothing else matters. Nothing yeah. else, you know, your clients and, you know, getting someone in shape and the studios are calling to get the next one in shape. None of that matters because if you don't beat cancer, it's, it's over with. You're done. So I, I would look at that as a challenge uh, that I had to overcome. What, what do you think contributed to you being able to overcome that, even the, the, the mental drain of knowing you had cancer during that time? How did you rise above the burn? What were some things you put in place into your life to be able to overcome that challenge? Um, I flexed a really old muscle called the brain. Um, yeah. You know, look, I, I grew up, you know, in a Southern Italian home. I grew up in, in uh, Southern Louisiana in Cajun country. Uh, and I had, you know, a complete Italian family who decided to send us to private school taught by nuns. Ah, yeah. um, I would rather go through 12 years of waterboarding before <laughs> I would ever go back to school with nuns. That kind of toughness. Uh, playing sports from the time I was a little kid, the discipline to lift weights. I, I was lifting weights when I was, you know, eight or nine. Yeah. And I never missed a day. I went to the gym every day. And that was the days before there were gyms. I'm 52 years old. You know, there were no 24-hour fitness or ballets or, you know, Equinox. It just did not exist. Uh, if you went to a gym, it was called Larry's Gym and it was on the corner. I actually went to a gym called Joe's Gym. And kids didn't go, women never never walked into a gym. That, that was something women didn't do in the early 70s. And, you know, you learn this weird discipline to put up with pain and to put up with working hard and knowing that if you work hard and you work through the pain, that something good will come out of the other end. By all stretches of the imagination, I should not have been on a college scholarship to play football. I, I was just not big enough, yet I played Division One ball Mm -hmm. and did well with it. And it's all because of all of, you know, the learning I had and all of the discipline I had before that. I used that same kind of muscle flexing in my brain when I got cancer. You know, it's like, okay, this is the game. I can either win the game or I can lose the game. And you decide to win. Right. You know, or you're going to die. Those, <laughs> that's kind of your choices. That, that's a great answer and very inspiring too, Vinny. Uh, I appreciate you telling us and going a little bit deep on that for us. When you're working as a personal trainer, you're, you're working with clients all the time. When you're working with them, either one-on-one -on -one or a group setting, what is the one or two things you wished they knew about you or the program you're trying to teach them? Well, if they only knew that I really didn't give a crap, <laughs> that, that would help. Uh, no, I'm, I'm really kidding when I say that. Uh, I, you know, I, that's a hard one to, yeah. You know, and you know, when you sometimes you see people that just sometimes they don't get it, you know, I see that all the time, especially when I have to work with younger kids, you know, because they, they don't see the forest for the trees a lot of times. But, you know, I, you know, that's a tough one because I really don't I never really tell them about me. You know, it's yeah. never about me. Yeah, I've, I've spent a lifetime, you know, in the service industry, you know, servicing other people. And it's never about my story. It's about their story and their narrative and what they're doing. And I usually don't bring me into it. And I guess since I've done it for 30 some odd years, I never think of going, well, would you consider me? <laughs> does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it does make sense. Um, but I, I guess we, what I really want to find out is when you're teaching them, if they could pop into your brain, what would they learn from you automatically? 
I, I look at the talent and what people have in front of them sometimes. Yeah. Uh, especially with the celebrities. You know, I had this girl years ago and they were trying to get her to lose weight to do a sitcom and she was going to be the lead in a sitcom. And all she, you know, they wanted her to lose weight because she just didn't look good on camera. She looked too chubby. And that was back in the days before they, you know, chubby people could be stars. It was before the the Melissa McCarthy's of the world can just be a huge star. Right. Because now that everyone has gained weight, we want to see heavier models. We want to see heavier actors because we always want to see people like us. And I would sit there and think, you know, this woman keeps self-sabotaging herself and she's going to lose her career over the fact that she wants to eat food more than she wants the money mm-hmm. or the success or anything else. And I would never do that. I would, I just know me. I would go, you know what? Even if I love pizza, I can give up pizza long enough for my career. You know, if you really want to be an actor and you really want to do well at it, why not do well at it? Sure. Does that make sense? Absolutely. The frustrations you see of some people that you're training aren't willing to give it all they got because they don't have a strong enough will or they don't well, see yeah. the forest through the trees. They really don't. And a lot of times, you know, we, we hear so many times, uh, as, you know, with, you know, athletes who could have been great, you know, where they'll go, well, you know, so-and-so had the potential. Mm-hmm. Well, potential without hard work and dedication is nothing. Right. I'd rather have someone, you know, uh, the great, late, great Vince Lombardi, he never went with people that had the great athletic potential. He went with people with character. And the guy won championship after championship because people with character, you know, that narrative, you know, people that could do it over and over and over, that's who you want when the game comes down to two seconds and it's snowing out in, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and, you know, you're on a two-yard line of the championship game. You know, you want the best guy in the world who really doesn't give a damn, or do you want the guy with some character, some grit? You know, I want the guy with character and grit next to me. Yeah. That's just the way I roll. And it might be an old guy. Oh, Vinny's older than us. And uh, yeah, it could be. Yeah. But you know what? It's all about the character and the grit. And if you don't have that, you're lost. You're done. You know, like you and I are both uh, descendants of Italians, right? Correct. Uh, okay. You take someone like Enzo Ferrari. Okay. Um, okay. The guy, you know, as we know, he makes the great for, he made the great Ferrari cars. And I don't know if you know any, anything about cars, but Ferraris have these incredible engines that go really fast, but they fall apart because Enzo Ferrari didn't care about anything except making a fast engine. As a matter of fact, he never wanted to make a consumer car. All he cared about was winning, you know, uh, uh, Formula One races, F1 races. And his accountants, his bean counter said, look, the only way you could keep racing is to bring in money. You need to make a consumer car. So he basically started putting race engines into cars that had paint that would fall off if it's, <laughs> if they stayed out in the sun right, right, and right. seats that, you know, you know, stuff would fall out from under the dash and nothing, the radios never worked, but people didn't buy Ferraris for that reason. They bought it because of the passion of the engine. Yeah. yeah that's what Ferraris were all about. You start asking yourself, you know, why would anyone who could buy a Carvette for $60,000 that goes just as fast as a Ferrari, why would anyone go out and spend 300000 on a Ferrari? You're, you're not buying the technology, you're buying the passion. Yes. Did and that I, make any sense? Because sometimes I have metaphors that don't match up. It makes 
absolute sense, Vinny. And I always said, I was a diver in college at Florida State University, was a diver trained for 15 plus years, traveling the country, multiple competitions. In my experience, and I always say this back to passion versus heart versus talent. There's three different types of athletes in my observation. You got the one that's got all heart, but not a lot of talent. And he's going to work or she's going to just work so hard for you, but just not going to get that far. Then you got the athlete with all the talent in the world, but no passion, no heart. And they're and it's just frustrating to see that they've got it. They can do it if they just cared. And then you got the athlete, that special person that's got talent and heart, that's got grit, that can make it there. So that's what Enzo Ferrari did with his cars. And that's what some of these great athletes that win gold medals year every four years over and over again, or the NFL players that just are great, great athletes. And so that just goes right back to what you were saying is passion, heart, talent. You have that one person that has both of them. That's a rare jewel. That's a diamond right there. And by the way, we love it when we see it in movies, you know, when you watch movies like, um, like Rudy or, um, you know, something yeah. for Joey, the Joey Camilletti story or a Brian song, Brian Piccolo yeah. was nowhere near as good as, as Gail Sayers. Try to have a dry eye watching that movie. Right. You know, yeah. you know, literally try to have a dry eye and something for, uh, and Rudy or something for Joey. Those are people with more heart than sense and look at what they accomplish. There's something about the sports movies that, that do have a lot of heart that you can relate to. It, it does tear you up or it does yeah. tear up the athletes that get it. They, 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 cause they can relate. And, uh, I, that's great that you mentioned that. You know, there's a movie that all of your fans must see like immediately. And I, I saw this the other night. Um, it, you can, you can watch it for free. I think I saw it on Netflix. If not, it's on Hulu plus. So if, if anyone that owns Netflix or Hulu plus, and by the way, folks, if you don't have that stuff, and by the way, they're not sponsors on my show. I'm giving them a free plug here. Right. Go buy it for seven bucks a month and include it on your television. I saw one that I told my my daughter she has to go out and, and watch immediately. Um, it was called Undefeated. Have you ever seen that movie? Undefeated. Is that, um? that's, yes. When did I watch that? It's a documentary. I'll tell you a little bit about it. And, and tell, yeah, give me a, give me an idea. Okay. This guy goes into a high school in North Memphis where, you know, you, you have a better chance of, of getting shot in the face than learning arithmetic on any given day. It's just, you know, it's, it's a school. It's, it's, I think, 100% black. It's in a very poor section. These kids, you know, they have nothing going for them in life. The fact that they even show up for school on any given day is a miracle. And this coach goes in for six years and coaches these kids. These kids had not won a game in I think 10, 15, 20 years, you know, but still they had a football program. And this guy goes in and coaches them. He doesn't get paid. He's just a guy in town. He's a business guy in town who decides that he's gonna go in and help these kids out, these underprivileged kids. Right. I dare you, I defy anyone not to tear up three times in that movie. It's a documentary. <laughs> I dare anyone not to tear up three times. What this guy does is, if you know what? If I can have one-tenth of what this guy had, I wish I could remember his name. I can't right now. I wasn't going to talk about it, so it's not written anywhere near me. Go watch Undefeated, the story about the North Memphis, da-da-da, blah-blah-blah. You'll find it, I think, on Netflix. Uh, there's another one um, called Walking on Dead Fish. 
on what happened after Katrina and these, these football players were misplaced and they ended up playing in the district that I grew up in down in Southern Louisiana. These kids had to go other places and play because, you know, these kids were looking for scholarships and, you know, you have to see these movies again. I dare you. I defy you to, if you don't tear up in these movies, you know, kill yourself because you're not human. You don't deserve to be here. By the way, folks, don't go kill yourself if you don't cry. I, I don't want any of your people to die because you would have less people listening to your show. Well, yes, yes, that is true. I definitely want to keep my my, my friends and followers that are that are yes tuning in. And if you if you haven't had a chance, check out Vinny's show. It is absolutely amazing. I love listening to that every week. What's the best fitness and health advice you have ever heard, Vinny? It probably came from my old weight coach, my, my first uh, training coach, uh, Jill Bonadonna, who's no longer with us, who I talk about in Fitness Confidential a lot. Yeah. He said, um, even if you do the wrong thing consistently, you will get results. Uh, the other one I like is from uh, one of my, um, I, I was a fan of his my entire life. Um, Jack LaLanne said, if it tastes good, spit it out. Um, <laughs> I like and that. And also... Uh, there's another Joe in my life, uh, Joe Dean, who was uh, the athletic director for LSU. He also played on, I think, the 1956 Olympic basketball team. Might have been 57. Joe Dean was also instrumental in making uh, Converse what it is today. He he brought an unknown guy named Larry Bird on, another kid that no one knew of named uh, uh, Magic Johnson. I'm sure you've never heard of any of these no, people. No. A guy named Dr. J. He was the first guy to hook these guys to a brand, hooking a shoe to a brand. Uh, that, that was his brainchild. It made him a very wealthy man. He was also a guy who taught me a lot in life. We lost Joe last year. I literally, when I found out that he passed, uh, I dropped everything. I went to the airport as if my own father had died and flew to Baton Rouge, Louisiana to be at his funeral. Wow. Um, that's how my said man meant to me. Yeah. And uh, I put one of his quotes in my book. Uh, my book, you, you've you read Fitness Confidential, right? I do love reading books, but I have not had a chance to read it yet. Okay, I, I'll get you a copy of it. Um, uh, it it's, it's very heavy in quotes and inspirational stories and whatnot. Okay. And one of the quotes is from uh, Joe Dean. Um, it's something he told me when I was a young athlete. Uh, and he was very instrumental in me, you know, becoming the, the human being that I am today. He said, he said to me, do you ever open the cabinet and see that the garbage can is full and you try to teeter whatever your garbage is on top of that full can. And very sheepishly, I said, yes, Mr. Dean, that's, that's happened to me several times in, in my life. He says, people who do that never get anywhere. You know, if you try to teeter a Coke can on the top of that full trash can and close the cabinet and make it someone else's problem, right? you're not doing anything in life. He goes, the next time you see a full trash can, take it out. And I've taken that through life, take the garbage out. Uh, but that, that was what Joe Dean was to me. He said in life, always take the garbage out. Right. And, um, he, he's a guy who influenced the likes of Larry Bird, uh, the likes of, uh, Dr. J. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of a guy, you know, I'm, I'm being facetious, but <laughs> kids today don't know who he is. Do you know who Pistol Pete Maravich is? Pistol Pete Maravich. Yes. I've... Wow. It kills me that you had to think about that. Uh -huh. People your age, Pistol Pete Maravich is the greatest basketball player of all time. And Joe Dean had a huge influence on that guy. Um, you you got to look him up. How, how, well, tell us the story of Pistol Pete and Joe. 
Well, Pistol Pete, well, Coach Maravich was the coach at LSU when, when the Pistol got there. The, the Pistol had the highest, I think, college uh, average, shot average of anyone in history still today. And um, Joe was one of those guys there who influenced him along with his own father, Coach Maravich. And, you know, Joe, Joe's influenced so many people. His funeral was kind of a who's who of of athletes. It, it was really kind of crazy. I, I didn't expect that when I got down there, but it really became a who's who of athletes in Baton Rouge when that man passed away. Wow. Wow. That's a, that's a fantastic story. And that's so inspirational what you said about, you know, you take the trash out because so many people can relate. Everyone can relate to that. Have the character, pick up the trash, take it out and make that part of your life too. Talking about you and as a personal trainer, what is one or two of your weaknesses to staying healthy or areas of the body that are hard for you to maintain good form? And how do you overcome these obstacles? Ice cream. Nice. That's that's my total answer. Uh, <laughs> for a guy who stays away from sugars and grains pretty much all the time, uh, I do love the taste of ice cream and um, I have it probably twice a month. You know, I'll have a night where I'll just go buy, uh, you know, some really good stuff that's just cream and sugar. Yeah. And um, so as far as um, that goes, ice cream once or twice a month. Uh, as far as exercise goes, it, it, you know, I, I have so much arthritis in my shoulder from my football days that I have trouble doing anything with my upper body anymore. And uh, I guess that's a downfall. I don't like to work on it because it just hurts so damn much. And there's no real benefit from it. You know, it's right. just a lot of pain um, just to get back to zero. And uh, it, that kind of bothers me. But, you know, they say athletes work on what they're bad at. You know, good athletes will work on what they're bad at. You know, if you're good at, and, and, you know, if if you're a tennis player and your forehand is good and, and, you know, and all you did was did a forehand shot, well, you know, your backhand will never be any good. You know, it, it goes on like that. You have to work on what you're not so great at. Right. Well, that's uh, that kind of relates to one of my other Olympians that talked about how athletes are problem solvers. They're always trying to improve and fix whatever's not working for them. And that's where they always get hung up when the big competition comes up or the Olympics come in or the world championships because they haven't let go. They're still trying to fix and, and solve the problem instead of just letting go and allowing their natural ability to take over all this training that they've instilled into their either muscle memory or their subconscious or anything. Well, I think you're absolutely right about that. Yeah, it was very, very eye-opening the way he said that. And uh, But um, Vinny, this is going to take us to the next part of the show. It's called 14 Minutes to Greatness. This is where we're going to dive deep into your mind, extract a few tips that can help an athlete or two ignite their inspiration, pop open their passion, and release their greatness. But first, we're going to thank our sponsor. Designed by athletic trainer and massage therapist, Tate Yoder. The Star Rep allows you to take your massage with you and does not add any time to your existing routine. Perfect for athletes looking to improve performance and active adults looking to feel better and eliminate pain. Go to thestarrap.com and email Tate for your Rise Above the Burn discount. A percentage of every purchase will be contributed to an Olympic hopeful on the Star Rap team. A performance training program is designed to help your body simply move better. For athletes, this means moving with more stability, mobility, strength, and power. Contact Chris at trainergorez.com. 
www.thegymfit.com for an evaluation and a custom performance-based workout that'll help you achieve your desired results by working smarter, not harder. Go to trainergores.com, that's G-O-R-R-E-S, for a customized performance program. Email Chris for your Rise Above the Burn discount. Are you ready? I, I can't wait. I'm, I'm kind of excited here. I'm, but don't delve too deep into my mind because I don't have too much mind left. <laughs> All right. Well, it's not that deep. But uh, tell us a few things you often see your clients do to sabotage their fitness or performance goals. Um, the, most people do it with food. You know, it, it's funny. You know, I, I train a lot of triathletes now. That's kind of the hot thing. Yeah. And of course, you know, the more lean, you know, body mass you have, the faster you can be swimming, running, cycling, what have you. You know, people think that, oh, if I just hammer away at the miles, then I will lose the weight. And uh, that's not true at all. Uh, you really have to, you know, watch what you're doing, what you're eating. And that's that's where people have the downfall. We have this thing in life where we'll say, well, you know, I've just ridden a bike 112 miles. Therefore, I can have pizza. But if you ride your bike 112 miles and had a piece of fish and some broccoli, you're now moving to the next level. Yes. So I find that people use the excuse of exercise to to really screw up their diet. Uh, and that's not really a good thing. Right. I think that whole mindset of having cheat days. Now everyone wants to work out hard and then uh, enjoy their cheat day. And sometimes their cheat days turn into cheat weeks and then they lose their whole focus or motivation. But, you know, can, can I say something about the cheat day? Even the yeah. cheat day. Let's say that you're strong enough to make it a cheat day. Why do it? Who, who are you cheating other than you? Right. You know, if you want to be the best at something, why are you cheating for a day? You know, when, when, um, when Mark Spitz won, you know, seven gold medals, you think he had a cheat day? No. Um, I remember, you know, of course, he's a woman now, Bruce Jenner back, but I was a big Bruce Jenner fan back when he was a dude right. and he won the Olympics. And, um, you know, Bruce Jenner was not a great athlete. He made himself a great athlete. He said that he, he even had a hurdle set up in his living area so that when he was watching television at night, he can work on, you know, getting his leg up over the hurdle and do some hurdle exercises right in his living area. That's what makes champions. Right. You know, everybody wants to figure out how they could get away with something. How about trying to figure out how not to get away with something? Yep. Yep. There's, there's no, there's no uh, shortcut to greatness. You have to put in the work. And I mean, a lot of hard work and things that you or no one else is willing to do to be able to get to where you want to be. I mean, look, you're, you, you were a diver or are you still a diver? No, I, I, I coach, but like you said, you know, there's, there's, there's a shelf life to certain sports and uh, injuries kind of take you off the uh, podium or off the, off the board or, or the field or anything like that. Yeah, well, you know, that's the thing. I mean, you're in a sport that perfection is the only, that's, all, you know, there is no second best to what you do. You can only be perfect, right? Right. Or you're striving to be it. I said you're striving as hard as you can or improving to be as perfect as you possibly can. And I think you, you, if you get that instilled in life long, early enough that you kind of become a perfectionist and you keep on trying to improve and be better in something that you're passionate about. Right. And, you know, think about it. Practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. Right. And I know in your sport that even when you you hit the water, you still have to, going into the water and under the water, you still need to be perfect in order for that dive to be executed. Or am I wrong about that? No, you're absolutely right. There is so much going on 
after you hit the water that so many people don't know about. Everyone knows that feeling of when you're going in the water and you feel like your legs are going over you or going to smack behind you. Well, there's a move that you can do. It's called a pike save where you bend at the waist hard and you pull with your arms a certain way through the water. You're opening up, you're actually opening up a hole in the water and then you're bending at the waist as you enter the water surface to keep yourself from going short or long. And that's how yeah. you eliminate splash. So yes, there's, there's a, you do, you know what you're talking about. There's, there's different things that are going on underneath the water as you enter the water. Aren't you a little impressed that I actually knew something about your sport? I'm very impressed, actually. Yes, I, <laughs> I'm ecstatic. I'm, I'm smiling ear to ear that, hey, hey, the, you know, someone actually knows a little bit about diving that's not a diver. So, yes, thank you for bringing I that up. I always know just enough stuff to get me into trouble or, you know, as, as Serena always puts it, I, I know enough to go to any party and have a conversation with anyone. Right. Well, that's a gift. That's a gift to have. I wouldn't call it a gift. I would call it being a bullshitter. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I want to ask you, what was the last thing you saw another client or what was the last thing you saw a client or an athlete do that really impressed you? Wow. Actually, something that keeps playing over and over in my head. You know, I don't watch much football at all anymore, if at all anymore. And um, I was watching the Iron Bowl a couple of weeks ago. It was, it was uh, Alabama and Auburn. Yeah. Because a friend had invited us over to watch it. And... I, th this, this guy caught an interception and then basically went back almost in a limbo motion. This guy had to weigh 225 pounds and was like a slinky and somehow kept his knees. His knee must have come a quarter of an inch from the ground, but somehow kept his knees up, got up and was able to return the ball for a bit. And you realize that these guys, these muscled up really fast, really Agile athletes can really, I mean, they're not like the rest of us, no. you know, and, you know, Serena and I got into a conversation, Serena is my better half, and we were talking about how, you know, she runs a lot, and she's getting ready for a 50 mile run, and she was talking about running downhill the other day, and she looked at our Garmin, and she saw that she was running right under five minutes per mile while she was sprinting downhill, and she said, you know, when you think about, you know, the greatest runners, the marathoners, you know, the ones that finish right at two hours. And she goes, think about those guys. They run that speed for 26 miles. Yeah. You know, they're not running downhill. They're not catching that speed for like 10 seconds. They're catching that speed for a long time. You know, I said, you know, but when you think about all athletes that are at the top of their game, whether it's Meb, who's going to win Boston, or the, the swimmer, who's now won more gold medals than anyone else. Yeah. These people are just freaks of nature, or the guy in the Iron Bowl two weeks ago. You know, these are all athletic events you just don't see anywhere else. You know, like I even watch people in the Olympics do shooting events, you know, the 22 you yeah. know, long rifle event. How they're able to keep their heart rate down. And yeah, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. They're shooting between heart rates and they're holding their breath. They're literally putting holes into holes at 50 meters. Standing up, that's amazing. Right. Yeah, that, that's like crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. Think about that. And on and on. I mean, I, I just get amazed by all of it. I, I agree. And that's why I'm so passionate about sports and athletics and, and having the show where we highlight Olympians and then also bring on guests like yourself that, that have experienced coaching and training these elite athletes to share with us, you know, how they're able to get 
to this greatness, this great level, and 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 how each person is designed differently, and they find what they're really good at and be able to conquer their passion. So, like the swimmer you were talking about, Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps, you know, he's a great athlete at swimming. He's got the perfect body for swimming, but would he be right. a great sniper or or, or endurance uh, runner or anything like that? Probably not. You know, it's no. just. But he found what he's good at and what his body was shaped for very, very well. So there's a lot going into it other than that that I call it quackery of the 10,000-hour rule. It's more than 10,000 hours that you have to put in to become a, a professional athlete or expert at anything. You have to have grit. You have to have the mental makeup. You have to have the physical makeup. You have to have the DNA. Well, can, can we talk about that for a second? Because I think too often, you know, nowadays, I was on a podcast, I do a lot of other people's podcasts. I think I do more other people's podcasts than I do my own anymore. <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, the thing that bothers me is, you know, we're turning these kids into specialists when they're really young. You know, they're, they're baseball kids now at 11 or 12 years old that are having Tommy John surgery. That's yeah. just ludicrous, if you ask me. So you start saying to yourself, why put kids into sports and why force kids and, and why force kids to, you know, parents are forcing them to play a sport and then the parents go and force the coach to put the kid in the game when the kid might not be good enough to play the sport. Why can it be like it was when we were kids where if you really sucked at baseball, don't play baseball anymore. Maybe try basketball or maybe try football or maybe try archery or try tennis or try golf. You could be you could be the next Tiger Wood, but your parent is badgering some poor dad who's coaching a team. You got to put my kid in. You got to put my kid in. If your kid sucks, your kid sucks. Guess what? He might be the next Tiger Woods, but we will never find out because you're trying to pigeonhole your kid into one sport. Correct. Just because that's your dream of what your kid could do. Has anyone asked their kid what they want to do anymore? And there's so much going on with that where you can see that. You can see that out in the fields where when I used to live in Atlanta, they had all these little league baseball fields. And you see, I would say a quarter of the parents were more into it than the kid was. The kid's not having fun. And they're there over and over and over again. Let them be diverse. Let them pick the sport that they love. Tiger Woods loved golf as a child. He could not. He, he, he slept with his golf clubs. Like, yeah. He lived and breathed it. So, you know, naturally he followed his passion and his father just harnessed that, but he didn't push it on him. Um, I'm sure he, Tiger kind of took a sidestep the wrong direction. He probably pulled him back and, and made him focus a little bit better. But there you're right. There's so many great athletes that are missing the spot because their parents aren't open to allowing them try something else. Right. No, I'm, I'm glad we agree on that because it, it drives me nuts all the time when this kind of thing goes on and parents are saying, well, every kid should have a chance to do everything. You know what? No, no, not right. every kid should have a chance to do everything. The world doesn't work that way. You know, we, we're trying to turn it into that, but it just doesn't work that way. You, you might suck at football or basketball, but you might be the best cross-country runner in the world and you might be the guy who wins the, the Boston Marathon one day. But you will never know that if mommy and daddy is pushing you into the wrong sport. And by the way, what, why does it have to be sports? What if you really suck at every sport, yet you're a great mathematician and you can win a Nobel Peace Prize because of it? Right. You know, 
But we'll never know that because mommy and daddy thought that you had to be on the soccer field and then mommy and daddy had to go badger some coach to keep you in the game. <laughs> and now you feel obligated to now mommy and daddy won't love me anymore unless I do, you know, A, B, C, and D. Correct. And then, you know, you're in the game or your, your kid's in the game sucking and not winning or causing errors. And so your team loses. But then everyone wins at the end because no one can tell anybody that they are winners or losers. Everyone is equal in the playing field, which is another phenom that's just going to cause havoc down the road because all these kids are not going to have any idea of. Oh, of oh how can, can I say they, they it, it already is. I, mean, I have nephews who are in their you know, early 30s and down to 25 years old. And they think every bowel movement should be bronzed because their entire life, <laughs> you know, every time they did anything, they say, oh, my God, you know, Mikey's great. Joey's wonderful. Oh, my God. You know, guess what? They're in their 30s now. They're not so great and wonderful. Right. You know, but they think every time they do anything, it's got to be a big deal. Yeah. You know, and they're afraid to fail. You know, they started, they finally started a podcast. Um, I don't know if it's any good or not, but, you know, they could be doing a lot of things, but they're not doing it because they, they always say to me, well, what if I suck? Well, guess what? You're going to suck about 99.9% .9 of the time in life is that 0.1% of the time when you figure out that you don't suck at something, that's where you could be good. This probably went in the wrong direction, right? I mean, no, no, because it goes back to, and it goes right back to the most successful people, athletes, business people, entrepreneurs, they have the most failures. And if you fail a lot, you're going to exceed, but you have to be able to get over that failure and move on and find the next spot and learn from that failure. And that's exactly what your, your point is right there. Well, I, I can add to it in my fabulous book, Fitness Confidential, I talk about FQ being bigger than IQ. And FQ means failure quotient. It's the number of times you can fail and come back in life. To me, that matters way more than IQ. You right. don't have to be the smartest guy in the world to be a success. I mean, the world is full of college flunkies. Um, Einstein, by the way, college flunky. Right. You know, and you could go on and on of people who never got a college degree um, uh, uh, who was it? The, the guy who started this whole internet thing. What's his name? Uh, uh, Bill Gates. Does he have a college degree? I don't no. think so. Does Does Steve Jobs have one? I read his book. I can't remember. No, I don't think he did too. I think they they all decided to say you know the college just wasn't for them. They were already on another. Should I go on of the number of people who are <laughs> mega successful in the world that does not have a college degree? Agreed. I agree. No, you don't have to go on, but yeah, you, you. I get what you're saying and. You can't take away the good time that college has. Like four and a half, five years is a great, great time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, a lot of these guys said, I'm not going to have that great time. I'm just going to go right. and do what I'm going to do. They they changed the world. They changed the way we are today. Serena just walked in. Hi, honey. Hello. I'm on a podcast right now. Hello, podcaster. Hey, let me ask you this, Lou. You ever have a Bond girl on your podcast? A Bond girl? Yeah. No, I would love to have you a Bond girl. You just did. That was Serena Scott Thomas. She just walked in the room. Well, that's a, that's a new first for our show. You see that? And you didn't even say that in my bio. <laughs> <laughs> and he's married to a Bond girl. Uh, wow. Fantastic. Well, Vinny, Fitness Confidential, this yeah. book, what inspired you to write the book? Uh, it was very simple. Um, I got bored. We had in 2007 in Southern California, we had a writer's strike. And because of the writer's strike, 
you know, most of my clients were, you know, in the movie industry, and I lost a lot of clients. So I was sitting around, uh, my buddy, Dean Laurie, who's a, a producer, yada, 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 was sitting around. Serena, could you close that door, please? I'm, I'm trying to podcast. No one, you, you see what I deal with here? This is how real it gets here. I'm working here, but no one cares. So let me close the door, Seth. Maybe you take the headphones off first. No, no, I'm good. Okay. I can reach the door from there. That's the world I live in. You know, this, this is real. This podcast just got real. Anyway, you know, I was sitting around. Dean Laurie was sitting around. The dogs have eaten. That's how real it's just gotten. <laughs> I'm podcasting, but she wants to know if the dogs have eaten. I'm trying to do your show. But that, that, okay, you see where it is? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, this is going to be a first, you know, where we have a Bond girl feeding dogs and uh, talking about Fitness Confidential all in one. Yeah, but you see, that's the whole thing. You know, people, oh, he's with a Bond girl. She, you know, did the garbage go out? Has the dogs eaten? Right. You know, I'm here working, but that's what matters. Right. Yeah, right, that's right, how real right. it gets here. Yeah, call James. Where's James at? Tell him <laughs> to feed the dogs. Yeah. Hey, get <laughs> Bond in here. To, you know. Anyway. <laughs> Well, we're, oh, we were talking about the book. So I, w I was um, sitting around a bunch. Dean was sitting around. We were waiting for the writer's strike to be over with. And someone had convinced me to start doing a blog about, you know, it was after my cancer and the whole thing. So I started doing a blog. And Dean, who's a big time Hollywood writer, said, I really love reading your blogs. We would, we would go out and, and have dinner every Friday night. And I literally wrote a blog a day for a year even after the strike was over with. And then one day my blog got, you know, hacked. Someone hacked and it, the whole thing went away. And Dean said, you know, I, I never missed one of your blogs. I read all 372 of them. I, I wrote it for 372 days straight until it got hacked. And he says, I really think you should turn this into a book. And uh, he and I sat down one day. Uh, it wasn't like, you know, people said, oh, what, did you tell your story and Dean wrote the book? I literally wrote 40,000 words worth of notes. And then he and I sat down and we took those notes and we, we fleshed out each note into what's now that book. Well, you, you said you had that book. It's filled with great quotes and motivational stories. What is the book about? Is it about you and your journey as a trainer or your journey as a success coach? Or, or what, what's the book Fitness Confidential about? It's a motivational book um, that teaches people how to lose weight and get healthy. Okay. Um, the the way it um, it all kind of came about was I didn't want to write just another book saying eat this, don't eat that, do this exercise, don't do that. I decided to kind of take that Southern Louisiana approach of the way I wrote my blog and tell my story of how I made it out of the swamps and how I became the guy who Hollywood comes to for this type of thing. And, you know, in the meantime, added a story of how to get in shape and uh, also put my cancer story. It, the whole thing was intertwined with, you know, come from behind in Louisiana, somehow ended up in Beverly Hills, somehow at the top of his game in Beverly Hills, cancer almost dies. And then uh, at the end of the book, there's this 500 mile nonstop bike race that I do. Uh, that takes me 36 hours. And all of it is kind of melded together into a book that no one, not one company wanted to write. But the book has become, as you know, uh, this wild success because people love the story and uh, people can relate to it. 
Right. And that's the most important is being able to relate to something and, and, and the story that, that draws you in. And, uh, I'm, I'm actually going to probably purchase that on Amazon tonight. Um, it just sounds, sounds really, really fascinating, but, uh, you're also just started pure vitamin club and that that's a new endeavor that you just took on. What is pure vitamin club about? Uh, thanks for even asking about it. Yeah. I, I started working on it a couple of years ago. You know, I've been, I'm a guy who believes in taking a multivitamin every day. When you look at what's, in, you know, we take, there's 13 essential vitamins, which means essential means we don't get them anywhere else unless we take them in within food or within a pill. You know, I've been taking a multivitamin my entire life, but I read everything. I'm a research guy. That's what I do. And there were usually only 13 essential vitamins, but there was usually 30 or 40 other things in the vitamins. Right. Even if you go to Whole Foods and buy the $60 a month plan or to, you know, GNC and buy the $80 a month best vitamins, they still have 15 or 20 ingredients in them that are really no good for you. So I'm thinking, what are these things? And, and it was always things like titanium dioxide, which I learned causes cancer. Most vitamins have titanium dioxide in it. And the only thing it does is it whitewashes the, the vitamins so they can add another artificial color in so that you can think that it's orange and orange means it's healthy. Um, they do things like put <laughs> magnesium stearate in, which is not magnesium, it's magnesium stearate. And this is something that causes health problems. And it, it's this myriad of things, you know, they, they put sand in there as a filler, uh, silica, and some people actually call that a nutrient. They have fillers and flow agents and excipients. And I set out to make a vitamin that had nothing except the 13 essential vitamins and 11 key minerals. I was told, just like the book, over and over, it couldn't be done. Right. But we got it done. We did it. It all happened. And um, the other thing I did was I I didn't quadruple or five-time or eight-time the cost of it. I sell it right all over the cost that it cost me to make it. So I'm, I'm really not – I will never get rich on Pure Vitamin Club. I took kind of the uh, Trader Joe's approach of – do you guys have Trader Joe's down there? We do. We do. We have, uh, well, there, there's a couple in Atlanta. I'm in Orlando now, so, and I think they just opened one up in the Winter Park area of Orlando. Which, if you're familiar with Orlando, that's, uh, that's a hot spot down there. Yeah. Well, I, I, I am familiar with it, but, you know, we've had Trader Joe's out here for 25 or 35 years, and it's basically, you get the good stuff that you would get at Whole Foods, but at a really cheap price. Yep. I did the same thing. I put out the world's best vitamin known to man at the, the lowest price you could possibly get a vitamin for, which is 10 bucks a month. My theory proves to be correct. If you put a great product on the market at a great price, people will buy it. And people say, well, how can you do that? I could do it because I'm not paying for shelf space at, at uh, you know, Whole Foods. Right. I'm not paying for advertisement all over the place. All I'm doing is, you know, people who listen to the Angriest Trainer podcast or who listens to your show and whatnot, and they're buying it and they're telling friends and they're telling friends. And before you know it, these vitamins are selling like hotcakes, you know, just right out of the box. Can you just go to your, your website or, or what's the link to Pure Vitamin Club? Uh, you go to purevitaminclub.com. Okay. Now, not Pure Vitamin Go to purevitaminclub.com and you'll see a picture of me. It'll say that, you know, vitamins recommended by the Angriest Trainer podcast, Vinny Tortorich, <laughs> and you'll see 
uh, a picture of my mug. So if you want to put a link in, I don't know if you put links in your show notes or whatever, but you know, you'll see a picture of me there and there's no trickery. There's no nothing. Most people buy the three month supply because with the three month supply, you save money and with shipping and everything, it still comes to 10 bucks a month. That's pretty good. That's a lot less expensive than anything you buy out there, even at Target or the grocery store. Yeah, it's really an amazing deal. Everybody I spoke to said you should be charging quadruple what you're charging, five times what you're charging. Um, No one will buy them because they're too inexpensive, but that's not true. People are buying into it. They like it. Um, the, The biggest thing we get is people who say, I can never take vitamins because they upset my stomach. You can literally open this capsule up, dump it in water. It will dissolve by itself and drink it down. You still will not get a stomach upset because there's no unnatural stuff in it. Wow, I didn't even know they had sand in those multivitamins. So uh, that's uh, that's some great knowledge you just shared with us. Thank you, Vinny. And we will have links to both the Fitness Confidential book and Pure Vitamin Club on our website, riseabovetheburn.com. So Vinny, this takes us to our bonus question. You are a weekend athlete. You love your sport and want to take the game to the next level. You're inspiring to win more competitions and move up to a higher division in your club or league you're a part of. What are the three most important actions you would take to elevate your performance? Consistency during the week. You know, we all have jobs, we have kids, we have lives. Consistency during the week. Don't just go out there on the weekend and try to jam it all in. You need to spread it out. You need... You know, ultra athletes always figure out time to run or ride their bikes or do whatever they're doing. Find that time. You know, we have we have microwave ovens that make everything faster. We have cell phones. We have everything to make our lives faster. Use those things to your advantage. Great answer. Thank you. Are you part of any charities or nonprofit organizations you want to talk about? You know, I'm, I'm not part of any, but I do give to a bunch. One of the ones I really like is the CAF. Um, it's the Challenge Athletes Foundation. Uh, you could probably find it online. Uh, Bob Babbitt um, started that down in San Diego years ago. It's for people who are in wheelchairs and uh, they may not have legs. You know, they run like on the blade runner legs and the whole thing. They supply these people w- with what they need to be athletes. You know, whenever I, I run a race or whatever, I'll usually gift to them. Okay. Well, we'll have the links to the Challenge Athletes Foundation, that's CAF, uh, on our site too, so you can check that out. Vinny, share with our friends how they can get in touch with you or find your contributions online, and then we'll say goodbye. You can go straight to Google and put in the name Vinny, V-I-N-N-I-E, Tortorich, T as in Tom, O-R, T again, O-R-I-C-H. Put in VinnyTortorich.com. I have more free advice to lose weight on that website than you will find anywhere else on the net. You can also just go to iTunes and look up Vinny Tortorich or Angriest Trainer Podcast. You'll find me there. And Pure Vitamin Club, purevitaminclub.com. Uh, I'm out there. If you put my name in, everything will come up. And by the way, we have some free Facebook groups that you can join. Uh, and people have lost two, three, four hundred pounds just by being in those groups and talking it out and figuring it out and so on and so forth. What are the name of the Facebook groups? Can you mention those? Uh, the, yeah, the, the main one. And I don't own any of these groups, but the main one is called Vinny Tortorich's No Sugar, No Grains. Okay. Again, it's got my name. Uh, there's another one called... Um, Vinnie Tortorich's plant-powered, no sugars, no grains. That's for the vegans. And there's one in Europe, if you're in the uh, England area, called NSNG UK. 
And SNG stands for no sugars, no, I'm the no sugars, no grains guy. That's one of right. my trademarks. And SNG UK, uh, they have a pretty big group of European. We have a, a worldwide following now. So okay. uh, anywhere you are in the world, you could kind of find a group <laughs> with my name or my, my NSNG on it. Even though I own the trademark, these people call me and they say, can we use the trademark? And I tell them yes, as long as uh, they're not profiting from it and that sort of thing. And so you'll find groups in your area. Well, we'll have those links just in case you're out riding your bike or running or driving the car. We'll have those links on riseaboveTheBurn.com underneath Vinny's profile. Vinny, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for your time, your inspiring message, and telling us about all the great things that you're doing. So uh, thank you so much for, your, for, for coming on today. Well, Lou, thanks for having me, man. In the last few episodes, I asked for feedback and received a great response. Keep sending me your ideas and what you would like to hear, learn, or how our interviews can inspire you. Tell us your story. I read all the emails, tweets, and Facebook posts, and I really want to hear more from you all. Speaking of help, I need help. I'm looking for ideas on what to name our community. For example, the podcast Entrepreneur on Fire calls their community Fire Nation. What would be the best name for our community? Send me your ideas at riseabovetheburn.com or I'm also available on Twitter and Facebook. As always, thank you for listening, subscribing, and the five-star reviews on iTunes.